you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Philippians chapter 4. Uh, we're going to read a little bit different uh, section this morning, uh, but keeping with our worry less, live more. But as we were singing that song and even a couple of the other ones that we sang, um, I, 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 to me it, was a, it started with the song that kind of Beth sang because it was Philippians chapter 1. Uh, when uh, Paul talks about uh, how it, uh, it, it, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, verse 21. And I think it's interesting, and we've read verses four, uh, chapter 4, verses 4 through uh, 9. Uh, but if you think about what happens after that, so he says, you know, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, verse 4. But he says in verse 10, he says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly now that at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but had no opportunity. And he said, not that I'm speaking from being in need. And here's what he says. He says, for I have learned in whatever situation I'm to be content, to know how to be brought low and how, and how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And then he says this, the verse that many of us are familiar with, I can do all things through Christ, through him, Christ, who strengthens me. And I love that verse. I love how, how I've, you know, I've, I've looked at it in context, but never as we look at what all he says in verses four through nine, that, that these things that we've been talking about, of course, we're in a series called Worry Less and Live More. We've been looking at... Um, uh, Paul's prescription for anxiety and worry and, and the, 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 the uh, discouragements that come through life and how we handle those things because at some point, you know, we all face those two varying degrees. But I love what he says. You know, he gives us this prescription in verses four through nine and then he kind of wraps it all up in verses, in verse 11 through 13. Not that I'm speaking of being in need for I have learned in whatever situation I'm to be content. I know how to be brought low and how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Um, as we kind of dive into the, the text this morning uh, of what we're talking about, what do you do? What do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when, when your problem seems unsolvable? What do you do when your burdens keep you awake at night? Well, let's, and let's flip that over on the other side. What do you do when, when you're, or you're overflowing with joy and gratitude? What do you do when blessing abounds? What do you do when we borrow from Psalm 23, when, when, when we feel as if God is anointing our head with oil and our cup is overflowing, when there's good things happening in life? And, and, and so the next two weeks, we're going to look uh, at this topic of prayer. And so if you were kind of taking notes and following along, today is the, the practice of prayer. And we're going to get that from Philippians chapter four, verse six. And then next week, um, we're going to look at the practice of thanksgiving. And so these are going to be two, two sermons that within the series that really kind of go hand in hand with one another in terms of kind of a part, part A and part B. And so uh, this morning, I want to talk about the practice of prayer. So, but what do we do in all that? Well, of course, we pray. Uh, nothing compares to taking our burdens, our concerns, our cares to the Lord, and then being able to process them through prayer and then arriving at we can call it guidance, we could call it wisdom, we could call uh, it a sense of peace uh, or, or, or the decision, whatever it is, but arriving at the answer from the Lord that we're seeking. And so in, in Philippians chapter four, 
Let's begin reading in verse four, but we're gonna really focus on verse six this morning. So he begins by saying, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone or your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. And so last week we talked about the nearness of the Lord. And then he says in verse six, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, uh, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known uh, to God. Would you bow with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we want to come to you today just rejoicing. Larry alluded to it early, Lord, earlier, Lord, but it is a beautiful day outside, and God, it's a wonderful day to be in your house. We thank you for the Sabbath, the day of rest that, that you have commanded us to take, to, to, to rest and, and to uh, relax, Lord, and, and, to, and to honor you. And so, Father, we are here today to honor you for who you are and what you've done. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. And God, the timelessness of it, that, that in any situation we find ourselves in, we can go to your word and find something that speaks directly to our situation or our circumstance or our need or our desire. And so, Father, we thank you for that, for your word. God, we thank you for your wisdom and for your, for your, your, your justice, Lord. We thank you for your mighty power, God, that, that we know as your children, Lord, we can, we can come before you and we can bring all these, these cares and concerns, all these anxieties and worries to you because we know that you care for us. And God, we thank you for that this morning, that you care for us, that you see each and every one of us your creation, fearfully and wonderfully created, knitted together in the wombs of our mothers. God, you see us. You see through the, the fronts. You th see through the, the masks that we so often may put on to make it through a day. God, you see into the deepest areas of our hearts and our lives and our minds. And God, you know exactly what it is that we need. And Father, your word tells us that you know exactly what we need, so all we have to do is ask. So Lord, we come to you this morning dealing with this topic of prayer and, and prayers and petitions or supplications and making our requests known to you. And Father, I pray that, that God, you might spark a, a burden in our hearts to pray, God, knowing that, that you hear our prayers and that you answer our prayers. Father, knowing that you are mighty to do things even above and beyond what we could even ask or imagine. So God, I pray that you would help us to not only pray about the things that concern us, but God, that you would help us to pray big, big prayers. Prayers that maybe we're not even sure that, that, that how it would even be, be possible, God, but we know with you all things are possible. And God, it's my belief that you have placed some big prayers in the hearts of some of your people, Lord, so that you can reveal to them how great and mighty you are. So, Father, I pray today that you might encourage our hearts today, that, God, you might, might, we, we might uh, take serious this command to pray and this desire for you to have a relationship with us and to keep this communication open. And, Father, we're here today to worship and honor you, and we thank you for, for being our Savior. We thank you for being our God. And, God, we thank you for taking a personal interest in each and every one of us and pursuing us to have a relationship with you. And, Father, I pray if, if there's someone here this morning maybe who, who doesn't have that relationship with you, God, I pray today that they would just see you for who you really are, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just speak to them today, that it would speak to all of us today. 
And God, help us to, to hide your word in our heart and to apply it to our lives. For it's in Christ's name we ask it all. Amen. Amen. Let's dive right in here. We're going to break this, 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 this verse up into a, a few different segments and kind of look at it piece by piece uh, and, and how, it, how it deals with us. So the first part of this, phrase, this verse that I want us to look at in verse 6 is this, uh, do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, uh, we all know this is easier said than done, but this verse is really not a suggestion. It is a command. He says, do not be anxious about anything. And this word that Paul uses as, for anxious is to pull in different directions. And so when we, when we are anxious or when we worry, what happens is worry, in a sense, is pulling us in different directions. It can even pull our minds apart. And so think about what this verse is telling us, that nothing should agitate us because nothing can separate us from the love of God for whom nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. And so the more we grasp this idea of this awesome power of God, and the, more we, and the more we understand how great and awesome he is, the less we'll worry about these everyday burdens of life. The more we understand that God has a plan, and there's nothing in this world that can thwart the plan of God, and that he has a plan, that, that will, the, the less we'll worry about the everyday burdens of life. I love the imagery of the ships that I think it's Paul in Romans gives us where it talks about Christ, you know, Christ being an anchor. And, and, and if we will, will think about this in terms of, of what we're talking about this morning is that if we anchor our hearts in the depths of Christ's love, then our ship will not be overturned. Our ship, our life will not be sunk or sank whatever the word is, but you know what I'm saying? Like you just have the, we get this imagery that we need to be rooted and grounded in Christ Jesus. Paul, uh, and the more we, we, we grasp that, in Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of the Bible, the message, uh, Philippians 4, 6 through 7 reads like this. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. And before you know it, a sense of, of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. See, this Greek word for anxious is found several other times in the Bible, and each time that it's used, the Lord is the antidote or prescription to, against the worry. Let me give you a few verses of this. Psalm 55, verse 22. He says, cast your burden. It's the same word Paul uses for anxious. Cast your burden, your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. So what are we to do with our cares? We're to cast them upon the Lord. We're to hand them over to him, to transfer them into his hands. We find this Greek word in Jesus's sermon on the mountain, Matthew 6, where it's translated worry. And I'm gonna give just a, a shortened version of what he's talking about. But in Matthew chapter 6, he says, I, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. And why do you worry? So do not worry. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. What's he tell us at the end of chapter 6? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then what will happen? All these things will be what? 
added unto you. He says, listen, we worry about a whole lot of stuff. We get stressed out about a whole lot of stuff. And he's talking about the birds. They don't, they don't, they don't sow and the, and the flowers, they don't spin. And he says, you know, we worry about these things. We worry about these, these everyday burdens. He says, but the birds don't sow, yet they never go hungry. And the flowers, they don't spin, but they're, 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 clothed, they're clothed in more splendor than kings are. And he says, so don't worry. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, all these preceding things in, in, in chapter six, all these things are gonna be added to you. God, he, I will, God says, I will take care of you. What, where else does he talk about it? Well, he talks about in Matthew chapter 10, verse 19, but when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. And he says, at that time, you'll be given what to say. Luke chapter 10, verses 41 and 42. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. Let's give this a little bit of context. So Mary and Martha, Mary, uh, Mary is the, is, 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 Martha is the worker. She's bustling around the house, preparing food and, and being hospitable. Mary, her sister, is sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him teach. Martha gets bent out of shape. Basically says, hey, Jesus, why don't you tell Mary to give me a hand in the kitchen? Jesus' response, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. One thing. And Mary's chosen the good portion. Jesus was there within, in presence. And we talked about that in our One Thing series. If you missed it, you can go back and, and listen online. But he says one thing's necessary. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And here's the thing. As we turn these things over to the Lord, as we let him... We, as we let him know our, our anxieties, our burdens, our fears, our worries, when we turn those over to him, you know what God begins to do? God begins to work on them. God begins to work in his own way, doing the things that only he can do, and God can do far more by his action than you and I can by our anxiety. Now think about that for a minute. God can do more uh, in, in his action than you and I can do by our anxiety. But how do we transfer our cares and our concerns? How do we transfer those worries to the Lord? We pray. We pray. Earnest, heartfelt, biblical prayer. When we pray, we are transferring those burdens and worries into the Lord's hands, and he transfers his inexpressible peace into ours. I'm gonna get to this later on, but look what happens in verse seven. We, we, so we do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, another, another uh, translation says that it is this transcendent peace. He says this peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So the place the worry and the anxiety stirs us up the most, our heart and our minds, God says, I'm gonna take that and I'm gonna replace it with my transcendent peace, a peace that cannot be explained will be yours when you hand these things over to me. But the problem is, is that we often take prayer too lightly. 
Prayer is often a last resort. Let me see if I can fix this thing before or make the decision or let me see I can handle this myself. But in order to stop worrying and begin enjoying God's peace, we've got to commit to prayer. The peace of God is not gonna come when we don't, we don't practice prayer at all and in the midst of a terrible situation, we come down and we're like, oh dear God, help me, and then we wanna walk away from that feeling like there's this incredible peace that has just washed over me. The peace comes from the relationship, not a magic pill. And we've got to understand that. We want, a, we want a cure-all pill that when something goes bad, I can pick the pill up, pop it in my mouth, bam, I'm feeling great. But the peace of God that passes all understanding doesn't just merely come from a moment in prayer. It comes from the habit of prayer. It comes from the relationship that is built with Christ Jesus in those, in that, in those seasons of prayer that we have in our lifetime. So we cultivate that relationship. Because then we begin to understand the greatness of the God that we serve. We have history with him that as we have prayed over different things in our past, we've watched how time and time and time and time and time and time again that God has met and answered and exceeded those requests that we had. So that when the next burden comes along, it's not like, oh my gosh, life is over. It's, hey man, God handled all this stuff in the past. That's why I would encourage you to have a prayer journal to write down your request and then to go back and reread those requests and as God answers them, you mark the time or the date or how he answered that prayer. Why? Because that we get discouraged and things happen to us and, we, and we, we, we have a tendency to kind of have that, again, that sore thumb syndrome that we're focused so intently on the one thing that's going wrong that we're missing out on all the other blessings that surround us. My refrigerator went out yesterday. Guess what I thought about all day? My refrigerator. Like, how dumb is that? My day was filled with stress, and I did not realize that till this moment right now. How stupid is that? Wake up yesterday morning, we're getting the kids ready to go to Discovery Center. I wake up, there's a pool of water in front of my refrigerator. I open the fridge, all the stuff that should be solid is now melty and oozing through the grates in the trays. And I'm like, oh. So I send the kids and Ashley on and I stressed all day long over that stupid refrigerator. But we do that. We, 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 we think about, like I'm not thinking about the fact that I can go buy a new refrigerator. It may take me 12 months to pay for it, but I can go buy one, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like we don't think about the fact that, dude, my house is still standing. You know, it didn't short out and burn the place down. Like you think about all the things, so much worse that could happen. And I'm like, I'm mad over a refrigerator breaking. And I've let this consume my, I could not rest literally until I had everything put back the way that it should be. And how many of us are like that? Something goes wrong in life. And we run around like chickens with our heads cut off, trying to set things just right and we drive ourselves crazy when we can't. Maybe today that's exactly where your burden and your care and your anxiety is. You're trying to make right something that you have absolutely zero control over, and it is driving you insane. There's no peace. You're not experiencing peace. You're not experiencing joy. Your mind is wrapped up and consumed with whatever this one situation is, and you can't do a thing in the world about it. What do we do? We pray. 
we pray. I can't do anything about it, but guess what? We know someone who can and who will. And you know what? Who's probably already working. He's just waiting on you to stop and look to him for direction and allow him and then start following him in the plan that he has laid out. But sometimes it's just us stopping and, 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 and praying. And, but we often take, that to, take the prayer too lightly. So Paul's in essence telling these Philippians, he's saying, listen, stop worrying and start praying. His prayer is an ongoing process of abiding in our Father's presence, meeting him at every turn, consulting him in every plight, and trusting him with every trial. And our refusal to worry does not mean that we are not concerned and it does not make us passive. Concern is appropriate, wise responses are needed, but worry is not helpful. But it's a slippery slope between concern and worry. We can be concerned, but when we begin to be debilitated by that concern, we have slipped into worry. When I, and it's not, well, I've just been concerned to the point, we can call it whatever we want to, but if your, if your emotion has caused you to be, you know, disabled or, or debilitated in some way in acting, then you have slid down the slope to worry and anxiety. But when we're concerned, we still have the ability to, to act and to function and to, and to do something about our situations. When worry moves in and takes residence in our mind, it brings with it a host of other friends too. Think about this. When you, when you begin to worry, and this is going to be familiar, I never put two and two together until I was studying for this. But one writer wrote this. He said, when worry moves in and takes residence in our mind, it brings along a host of other friends. Discouragement, fear, exhaustion, despair, anguish, hopelessness, pain, obsession, distraction, irritation, impatience. When worry moves in, so do all those other uninvited guests. And all those things are enemies to the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. If you were to read through this list again, discouragement, fear, exhaustion, despair, anguish, hopelessness, pain, obsession, distraction, irritations, impatience, none of those are fruits of the Spirit. None of those are a result of having a relationship with Christ Jesus. It's not what God wants for your life. Now, I'm not saying that if you have them, it is your fault and you're doing something wrong and it's a sin. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that, that we need to understand that that's not, the way, that's not a way that God wants us to live. And if that's something that we, we struggle with, it's not, it's not life. Like it's not, you know, God wants to do something in your life, I guess is what I'm trying to say. What he wants to do and how he wants to do it, I don't know that I can answer that question on an individual basis. But I do know that God wants to do something in your life and sometimes we just need to open up and let him. Sometimes it's confession, sometimes it's, bringing our, our things to him in prayer and, and laying them down. But here's what we need to do with all those things, those, the worry and discouragement, fear, exhaustion, all those things. We gotta throw them bums out. If there are uninvited guests in my house, chuck them. 
take every thought captive for Christ. Take it captive. Say, I'm not, I'm not gonna think this way. I'm not gonna dwell on this. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna concentrate on this. Don't be like me and let a fridge ruin your whole day. It's not that big a deal. And sometimes some of these little things that we, we some of them are little, some of them are not. I don't wanna make light of anything, but, but we dwell on them. And it's like jumping into the, 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 what's that thing in Alice in Wonderland? The rabbit hole. Like we just, we won't let it go and we start thinking about it. And here's what I do. I think about it and I think about it and I think about it and I think of every, every offshoot of this problem that could occur. And then I think of every offshoot and the offshoots of those offshoots. And then those offshoots, I'm offshooting those. And before long, I'm worried about a situation that I can't even do anything about. And how many of you have worried about something only to encounter the situation you're so worried about and it's not even that big a deal? You're like, I spent two nights laying awake at night worrying about this meeting and it wasn't even that big a deal. What should I have done? I should have prayed. I should have gave it over to the Lord. I said, Lord, what would you have me to do? How would you have me to, to react or respond or, or, or prepare or whatever the case may be? Prayer is how we open the door Throw these, all these, these emotions out and let the presence of God rule through our hearts and feelings. So don't be anxious about anything. Second part, but in every situation. In every situation. How often should we be anxious about nothing? In every situation. In Philippians, Paul talks a lot about what, what happens to him. In fact, we see it elsewhere. If you want to jot down a couple of verses, I was going to read here, but, but I'm not going to to save time. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul talks about some of the things. Now, this was written about seven years before Philippians. Um, so it doesn't encompass everything that Paul uh, endured, but I'll, I'll, you know, there's the beatings and the shipwrecks. Second Corinthians chapter 11, you can read that. But remember, Philippians is written from a Roman prison. So Paul's currently imprisoned. And, and, and most of these things that happened to him are outside of his control. But rather than worry about them, he learned he could bring them to the Lord and pray about every one of them, knowing that God was in control of every situation and would turn out for his good and God's glory. And so we need to believe and know with every fiber of our being that God will work things out for our good and his glory. Not just believe it up here, but know it to be true here and be watching for the good to be worked out. Because until we have a tendency to think the good is just deliverance from a particular circumstance. Like good in my life, Lord, is you to remove me from this difficult situation and plant me over here where the grass is green and the waters are still and my soul is restored. Like that's, that's, that's what I want. But here's what God may be saying. Hey, you're in this difficult situation, but I want you to lift your head. I want you to look around and I want you to see the good that I'm doing in your life in the midst of this circumstance. And I want, to, I want you to see what you have the opportunity to do in the midst of this circumstance. Because there is an opportunity in this place, in this season to make my name known, to glorify me and others will come to a saving relationship with me through this circumstance. I don't want you looking over here. I want you looking right here. 
And we've talked a lot about this in the past, but that Lauren Daigle song, Look Up, bad things happen, man. We're, we're walking around with our heads down. And maybe not, maybe not physically, that may not be our physical posture, but it may be our spiritual posture. It may be our emotional posture that we're just walking around like Eeyore. I love Eeyore because it's such a great illustration of life. Always, always something with Eeyore. You know, and, and that's our, our spiritual posture. And all God's saying is look up. Look up and look out. I'm doing a work among you in the midst of your situation. I'm working in the midst of this. You know what? I was thinking this morning, I was sitting back in my, my office and I was, I was praying over this and I said, you know, Lord, my refrigerator broke, okay? I get that. But I had an opportunity twice yesterday to invite a young lady to church because my, my refrigerator door broke. I said I had the opportunity. I didn't do it. Why? Because I was stressed out over a stupid refrigerator. I was so worried about something being broken that I missed the opportunities that God had laid right in front of me because my mind was so focused on my problem and my, and my bad luck or my whatever you want to call it that I missed the opportunities that God gave me in the midst of my circumstance. Bad things happen. God opportunities come when bad things happen. We, but we got to look up, but not me, man. I, oh, my refrigerator's broke. Blah, 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 blah. Nobody died. You know what I mean? Like it's one of those things like we just get so focused on what's wrong and, and the bad and, and God, how could you allow my refrigerator to be broken? And I asked that question yesterday. As ridiculous as that sounds, but I'm telling you, we let these little things, these everyday burdens consume us to the point that we miss out on God opportunities. We completely miss them. I completely missed an opportunity. Now, maybe that young lady would have said, hey, I go to church somewhere. I'm like, you know what? God bless you. I'm so glad to hear that. But maybe she would have said, you know what? I've been looking for a church. Got some questions to something in life, and, and I really feel like God can maybe answer those for me. But you know what? I was too busy thinking about my broke fridge to do anything. To, to, I was too busy in my, in my, my self-pity. I mean, that was, that was a great word for it. My pity of having to go spend the money and blah, 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 blah. And all the food I lost and all this stuff. And, I, and it, it can all be replaced. Like there wasn't anything not replaceable in that refrigerator. And I missed opportunities because I was so focused on this little hangnail of life but that hangnail of life consumed my entire thoughts for eight hours yesterday and I let it and I let it and we got to throw those bums out we got to throw those bums out in every situation in every situation listen God is never bothered by your request and he's never inconvenienced by our prayers it may seem ridiculous you have why would I bother God with something like that and God's saying bother me Bother me. I'm not bothered. Like, come and come and let me hear these things. So, but in every situation, by prayer petition, present your, your, your request to God. Philippians continues, verse 6, where Paul describes in more detail how we address God about our issues. He used the word prayer and supplication or petition and the phrase, let your request be made known to God. You'll notice there's a with thankfulness. We're going to hold off on that till next week. 
But let's break this down just a little bit quickly. Prayer, when he says, when he, when he says uh, but in everything by prayer, prayer is just a general word for our, all our communication with God. Just a general word for all our communication with God. Supplication or petition is a more specific term referring to asking God for his help regarding certain needs. So it's a little bit more specific. You know, it's like one thing to chat with a friend. Hey, how's things going? How's the family? But it's something else to ask him for a favor. Hey, could you help me move a refrigerator on Saturday? And so that's the difference between prayer. Prayer is the conversation. Supplication, petition would be asking for help in something. When we need multiple favors, we become even more specific and present our requests. So these are the specific things. And while these phrases are similar, the triple use of them indicates intensity, the intensity we need in putting this opportunity into practice. Uh, Dr. J. Oswald Sanders said this, there is praying in detail to be done. It's why we give you guys a prayer sheet every, every week in the bulletin that doesn't say pray for the sick, pray for the spiritual needs, pray for emotional needs. We have specific requests that we intercede on behalf of those people, praying God specifically with, with, that we present our requests, specific names, specific people, specific needs. Not a blanket prayer. God, you know my needs. That might be prayer. God, you know my needs in, this, in, in, in life or in work. That may be supplication, petitions. But God, here's the specific situation I need your help in. That is the, that is the, the present your requests. And none of us does it perfectly, but we can improve, we can learn, and we can grow in prayer. And we do this by using different prayer methods. Prayer can be practiced in any certain way. Like if you just look through the pages of scripture, like you don't find anybody like, you know, standing up, hands clasped, heads bowed. Like if you go through there, you find them kneeling and sitting and lying down. You find them falling prostrate on the ground. You find them standing up. You find them walking. They're in their rooms or in their closets or on the rooftops. They're in caves or in the belly of a whale. They prayed silently. They pray corporately. They pray with sighs and shouts and songs and words. They pray long prayers and short prayers. Uh, they wrote out their prayers. They prayed with tears. They prayed with laughter. They prayed in desperation. They prayed in delight. And Paul even alludes to all this in Ephesians chapter six when he says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Or in 1 Thessalonians, he said, pray without ceasing. It doesn't mean that my head's bowed and my eyes closed and I'm praying in my car driving down the interstate. We pray and all, why? Because I can do it, I can, we can do it walking up and down the aisles of the church. We can do it at an altar of prayer. We can do it as we are standing and, and other people are singing around us and we might just want to lift our hands and just start thanking God and just praying for him. I'm praying to him. There are times when we seek the Lord alone. There are times when we ask others to join us in praying for a specific need. There are times when our prayers are extended and may include seasons of fasting. There are times when our prayers may be simple and short. Each situation may call for a different type of prayer. Whatever the need may be, search the scriptures and find a passage that deals specifically with your situation and turn that passage and turn God's promises into prayer. The Bible is a magnificent prayer book that will meet each and every need. And it is amazing the power that comes excuse me, from from praying the scriptures. God, you are my shepherd. 
I shall not want. God, you lead me beside still waters. You lead me into green pastures. God, it is you who restores my soul. Lord, I may feel like I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but God, I'll fear no evil because I know, God, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, God, they comfort me. God, you will prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. You will anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows and surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen and amen. Amen. And you pray that yourself or find something God, this life and these, 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 these momentary afflictions are gonna pale in comparison to the glory that is gonna be revealed to us because you have told me in your word, God, that you have prepared a place for me, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And God, there you, you have gone and you're preparing a place and, and, and there are many, many rooms and God, there's a place for me and God, I thank you for that. Why? Because we practice that nearness of God. One, that he is near to me now, but two, that his coming is near, whether me going to be with him or him coming and returning to me. And that helps me see that whatever these, what the Bible describes as light and momentary afflictions now will pale in comparison to the glory. And we're gonna be looking back in this life and I worry about all this stuff and I get to experience all this. And so pray the scriptures Read it. Google is a fantastic tool. You can Google scriptures on anxiety, scriptures on rejoicing, scriptures on child raising, scriptures on parenting, scriptures on marriage, scriptures on this, and then you just begin to write those things out and then you pray them. God, as a husband, help me to love my wife as you love the church and gave yourself for it. God, as a parent, help me to train up my child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. Help me to teach them wisdom, to fear you. Whatever the case may be, we pray those things. And so use the Bible as a prayer. Prayer shouldn't be this hamster wheel of worry where we're on there. And it was funny, I was watching some of the videos of the kids at the Discovery Center running the hamster wheel. But we do that. Sometimes we get on there and that that prayer is just that hamster wheel. All of a sudden, we're, we're, we're praying right? Praying, but then all of a sudden, like this worry's just taking us over. We don't worry to, we don't pray to, to think about it and then worry and have justification for it. We pray to give it over to God and say, Lord, I want you to have this thing. Here's my specific need. And so pray. Prayer is not a hamster wheel of worry. It should be a launch pad of faith. And your faith does not have to be great. If you remember the story of the, the dad of the demon-possessed boy in Mark chapter 9, he says, if, if Jesus, you can do anything, if you can, will you heal my son? And Jesus says, if, if I can. And the, and the dad says, I believe, but help my unbelief. And you know what? That may be exactly where you're at today. I believe, but God, I, I just need you to help me in my unbelief. Like there's just some areas that I'm struggling in. I believe you are who you say you are, but God, I, there are some places that I'm just, I'm, I'm hurting in, I'm struggling in. When we take our burdens to the Lord, we leave them there. So this morning as we wrap it up, rejoice in the Lord. Let your gentleness be evident to everybody. Remember, remember the Lord's nearness to us, both in proximity and his return. And do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer 
and petition, present your request to God. Prayer begins by acknowledging the one to whom we are praying. And folks, I'm telling you this morning, there is praying in detail to be done. And so as we stand this morning, what do you need to pray for? Maybe it's salvation. Maybe it's a decision, a family decision or a business decision. What about a person that needs to be saved this morning? Maybe we need to come and call that person by name. What about a specific request or a need or a circumstance? But there's, de- there's prayer in detail to be done. What do you need to pray for this morning? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning.